Good morning. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 26. So Paul, standing in the midst of Oropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and their boundaries of their dwelling place. How we doing, church? I'm also doing good. And, and I'm also doing great, as some of you said. So this year, we've, we've considered in a number of different ways how we ought to share the gospel. We ought to witness to people who are around us. But before we can do that, and we'll talk more about that this morning, I think we need to ask ourselves sometimes, why am I a Christian? Hopefully this is something that you consider often, and maybe the answer was more clear uh, when you were first baptized. But I, I want you to think about right now, why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Because you think the Bible has some wise things who uh, say, when compared to worldly thinking, the Bible seems to teach common sense living. So if I'm going to choose between the wisdom of the world and the, and the wisdom in the Bible, well, I, I guess I should be a Christian. Are you a Christian because you want your life to go better? When compared to the earthly outlook on, on the afterlife or even on our life here on this, uh, uh, on this earth, the Bible tells me that I have a home in heaven. If I'm a Christian, so I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to be a Christian. Or are, are, are you a Christian, maybe, or more of a short-term, uh, uh, short-term improvement? Are you a Christian because you want to be a better person? I didn't like who I was before I was a Christian, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus, and he's going to make me a better person. I'm going to do the things that he said, and I'm going to be the person who I'm, I'm supposed to be. When compared to what the rest of the world is doing, obeying the Bible leads me to love people better. It leads me to be the best me that I can be. So, I'll be a Christian. If any of those individual reasons is why you're a Christian and nothing else, then I think we're just scratching the surface. Yes, being a Christian obeying and following our Lord causes us to grow in wisdom. Being a Christian does mean we will have a better life. Being a Christian does mean we will love those around us more, but none of these are the sole reason why we believe in Jesus and why we believe in God. The reason that we're Christians, and this is what we've been talking about all month, is because we believe Jesus is Lord today. 
that he was resurrected and he ascended and has authority over all heaven and all earth. And if Jesus is Lord and we believe that he is, then everything changes. Over the past couple of weeks, we have revisited Acts to get a more full understanding of what our, our witness is as Christians, as people who have seen and heard something worth sharing. We have a responsibility to be a witness of that to the people out in our uh, our uh, our uh, our communities. And we've talked on and off throughout the year of what this looks like, how others might receive that message, how we need to be wise in our walk. But what is the message? What is this message that we're supposed to be a, a, a witness of? The simple answer is that we've got to tell people about Jesus. It's over here. We've got to share Jesus. But what are we supposed to say about Jesus? What do people need to know we try to summarize this a number of different ways in how we talk about uh, uh, how we talk about the Bible. Maybe we summarize it by being more inclined to talk about how Jesus cared about others when he was here on this earth. Maybe we summarize it by being more inclined to talk about how Jesus healed people who were who were hurting. There's a number of summaries of of the gospel message in the New Testament. Um, there's one that I like in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This good summary of, of what we have as, as Christians, what we have as a community of believers. Faith, hope, and love are at the core of the biblical message. But what did Jesus inspire his apostles? What did Jesus inspire his people to share about him? after he left, after he left the earth. In the book of Acts, over the past couple weeks, we've seen that the message of Acts, the message of the early church, is more than just having faith. It's more than just having hope. The gospel message, the good news for all of us, is that Jesus is Lord, is that Jesus has all authority. And what might it look like if we emphasize that message, that Jesus is Lord just as much as the early church was? If you want to hear our sermons about Faith and hope, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, uh, to the last two weeks. But this week, we'll look at the third item on Paul's list and how that relates to the gospel message in Acts. The greatest of these, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, is love. Is the gospel just about love? As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, what does the Apostle Paul say that the gospel is about? Join me in Acts chapter 17, and we'll hear it straight, uh, straight from the horse's mouth. We're going to jump into the middle of one of Paul's missionary journeys. We find Paul traveling with Silas and with Timothy. And at the beginning of chapter 17 in Acts, some trouble arises that forces the Apostle Paul to separate from Silas and from Timothy. And they plan to eat back up when they all arrive in the city of Corinth. What we're going to look at this morning is what Paul does in the meantime when he's in Athens on the way to Corinth. While Paul is waiting for his missionary team to regroup, he continues to find opportunities to share the gospel. Let's uh, pick up in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. 
Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. And so he he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. A real quick note here at the uh, at the at the beginning of this section. Everywhere that Paul goes, every time he goes to a new place, he enters a new town, one of the first things that he does is he looks for people who are like-minded. He looks for people who share similar uh, ideals as him. He looks for Jews in the synagogue. Jews and Christians are not in complete agreement here um, at uh, at this uh, moment in history, but they do share a common trait They both believe in the God called Yahweh, who worked great wonders in the Old Testament. And so when Paul's trying to find new people to tell about Jesus, the son of of the son of God, he first finds people who have similar values, similar beliefs, and he starts there. Something else that's interesting is that it it doesn't seem that Paul is planning to spend a whole lot of time here in Athens. He's, He's really just passing through on the way to Corinth. But even in a place where he's in one day and out the next, he is provoked by the Spirit to speak out against the ungodliness that he sees. But but Paul doesn't stop with just the Jews. As the Christian movement progresses in the book of Acts, they start to share Jesus with with other people who aren't Jews. They are are trying to reach outsiders. Uh, Continuing in verse 18, Some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? And others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. These new people who are hearing Paul, these philosophers and other people, They're not Jews, and they do not yet believe in God. But we do know that they are wise people. They are people who are seeking wisdom. They're seeking understanding. They're people who are trying to do the right thing. They are trying to reason to be the best people that they can be. Many great universal ideas and liberties and freedoms that we enjoy today uh, can be traced back to these conversations where Epicureans and are trying to understand what is the meaning of life? How do I live as a human being? And these are the people that Paul's going to share the gospel with. But before we get into Paul's gospel message to them, I want to point something out to us. Paul doesn't get to share the message with these outsiders without first being willing to talk about Jesus with insiders. I'm going to say that again. Paul doesn't get to share the message with outsiders, with Gentiles, without first being willing to talk about Jesus with people who already believe in God. Yes, the Spirit was working through Paul to take the gospel to new places, but it did take Paul's willingness to talk about Jesus with his brothers in order for other people to notice. Isn't that the same spirit that's working within us? Shouldn't we be willing to talk about Jesus with our brothers and sisters in Christ? We'll come back to that idea later, but let's continue in Acts 
Uh, here's what Paul says to these people in verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the, uh, of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Like we saw just a moment ago, these people are very wise. They have looked around them and they have sought good in their communities, but they've also looked upwards and they've sought higher powers. They've turned to the gods and they are faithful to things that are greater than themselves. And Paul notices that, and he sees their idols, and he sees the statues that they have out in these public places. But where does Paul begin when he starts to share the gospel with them? He doesn't necessarily start by talking about the good things that Jesus did. He doesn't necessarily start by trumping the wisdom that they have with the wisdom that Jesus had. Paul starts with the understanding that our, our God is Lord, that our Lord has authority over heaven and earth. I want to linger here for just a moment on the authority of God. Our Lord is in charge. I think you believe that. You believe that? That our Lord is in charge of this, of this world? We talk a lot about how good our God is, but I hope we don't overlook the fact that the type of authority that our God has. Even if God wasn't good, he would still be the ruler over all the earth. Even if God wasn't love, he would still command our awe and adoration due to his majesty. But not just is our God great, and not just does our God have authority but by his very attributes, he is worthy of our worship. On top of God's outright authority, he is a good God. He is a Lord who is love. But we can't forget that he has all authority, regardless of if he loves us or not. Back in Acts, Paul continues his gospel message with more information about the authority of his Lord. He continues in Athens in verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and we move and we have our being, even as some of, you, uh, some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or the imagination of man. Paul is slowly revealing to these outsiders that our God is Lord. He has revealed to them that our Lord is the creator. He is the sustainer of all things. And what does this great authority want? What does this great all-powerful being want? He wants to know us. He wants to be close to us. He wants his creation to find him, us to find him. And 
Paul commends these people for how religious they are. He even quotes some of the things that they were saying back to them and says, this is really good. You guys are on the right track because they're attempting to grasp at the unknown. They're attempting to acknowledge the higher powers, whatever they may be. But when Paul is sharing with them, he's also letting them know, you're on the right track, but you're missing the point. He doesn't try to convince them that God's wisdom is better than their reason. He doesn't try to convince them that Paul's religious practice is better than his religious practice. All he wants them to know, all he wants these unbelievers, these outsiders to know, is that our God, the God that we serve, is Lord over all. He's the only Lord, he's the only authority, and he wants to know you. That's what Paul is telling these people. I said earlier that we were going to talk about love, and we haven't talked about love yet, so it's probably a good time if, if we do that. What does love have to do with Paul's message to the Athenians? The short answer is that it doesn't. But that's the point. Nowhere in Paul's preaching does he try to convince the people how much God loves them. Nowhere in Acts, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, is the word love even mentioned at all. In all the sermons, all all the preaching, all the spreading of the early church, love isn't mentioned a single time. Now listen, people need to know about God's love. People need to know that God is good. People need to know at how incredible our Heavenly Father is. But if they don't know that Jesus is Lord, then they're missing the point. Jesus is not just another root to the pie in the sky that these people were trying, trying, trying to grasp at. Even the Jews were trying to trying to grasp at. Jesus isn't just a kind person. He isn't just a healer. Jesus wasn't just wise. Jesus was established as ruler and authority over all creation. And for everyone on this earth, in this galaxy, in this universe, there are cosmic implications because our Lord sits on the throne. We've got to start telling people that Jesus is Lord, Lord of everything, Lord of our lives, Lord of our hope, Lord of our past, Lord of our present, Lord of our future. Our love is at the root of God's actions. Love does describe the heart of, of our Lord, but what matters first, what people must understand, is that Jesus is Lord. Because if we just stick to the message of love, No matter how loud we proclaim it, our love that we have, that we have found in our God, no matter how good we believe it is, will just be drowned out by the sea of love that this world thinks it's already found. The people out there, the world, they believe that they have reasoned amongst themselves and found love. Just listen to the way that they try to change the boundaries on who can love who. Just listen to the ways that they say that certain groups over the course of history have not shown love to other groups, and here's the things that we're going to do. Here's the love that we're going to show right now to make our history right. 
Just like the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers, the people in our world today, they're reaching out, grasping, trying to find the unknown, and they think they found it. They think they found love. They don't need us to tell them that our God is love. He is, and they will eventually know it. But what they need to know right now is that Jesus is Lord. Is that the things in this life that we think have authority, the authority that we think we have on our life is nothing because Jesus is Lord. Our message cannot just be that our love is better. It is, and you and I know it is. But they need to know Jesus is Lord first. Because Jesus is Lord, everything in our life changes, especially our love because we have experienced the ultimate love of Jesus giving his own son for us. Going back to Paul once more, you remember when he first arrived in Athens and it said he was provoked by the Spirit to say something about the idolatry. What happens for Paul is he was truly convicted that Jesus is Lord. And when he sees people who don't know that, when he sees people who don't know Jesus, the Spirit stirs up something within him to say something about it and to do something about it. And like I said earlier, Paul does not get to go to the outsiders until he goes to those who are inside first. If we want to share Jesus with people out there, then we will first have to be willing to talk about Jesus with people in here. If we are not making an effort to talk about Jesus, our Lord, with our brothers and sisters, then the odds that we will accidentally have those opportunities out there are pretty low. The opposite's true. The odds that you will miss every single opportunity out there if you are not taking advantage of the opportunities that you have in here are pretty high. The reason that Paul is stirred up in the Spirit is because he was already trying to stir up other people about Jesus. Has the message that Jesus is Lord had that effect on us? Have we been stirred up in love to see the real deep spiritual needs of the people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus? Has our love, has our compassion, our empathy been moved so greatly by those who don't know Jesus that as it said in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, we can't help but share the things that we've seen and heard. And knowledge that Jesus is Lord will stir up a deep love within us. But anyone can claim to have love. It'll fall short, but anyone can claim to have it. Only we can claim that our Savior is Lord. This morning, I have one last simple conclusion for us. Believe that Jesus is Lord and be moved by his great love. Allow yourself to be moved by your faith, by your hope, and by the love that you've experienced. Here's a question that you can ponder this morning, maybe this week, to help you think about this. What could you be doing in here that might help stir you up 
to go reach people out there. If we're sitting in this room, I think it's a safe assumption that we believe people out there need to know Jesus. But why aren't we, why aren't we sharing it? Why, why aren't we taking advantage of every opportunity? It might be because we're overlooking opportunities right here in front of us to talk about Jesus with our brothers and sisters in Christ. What does it mean to you that Jesus is Lord? Over the next two weeks in our preaching, you'll hear this question answered once by Robin and once by Tom, and they'll try to answer that question. What does it mean? What does it mean to them that Jesus is Lord? And this is something that you ought to be asking yourselves regularly. If we believe it, we've got to embrace it. If we stop asking that question, if we stop asking, what does it mean to me that Jesus is Lord? And we'll start idling through our, our relationship with God. And no matter how great our faith is or how great our hope is or how great our love is, it'll never be enough because we need Jesus. We need him to be our Lord. If those things, if those things were enough, if faith, hope, and love were enough, the Jews wouldn't have needed Jesus. If faith was enough, the Gentile religious people in Athens, they would have been able to find God on their own. If hope was enough, then the great Greek, uh, uh, Greek and uh, Roman peace I was happening in this time, it would have been enough. If love was enough, then however the culture decided to practice love would satisfy God's desire for his people. But just these things are not enough. God does not want us to find love. He does not just want us to be happy. He does not just want us to eat and drink and be merry, which is what the Epicureans said. No, our God wants us to draw near to him and experience a love from him like no other. And to do that, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. The message of, of Jesus on this earth was, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. But the message in the book of Acts is, repent for the king has come near. This Jesus whom we crucified was raised and is now Lord overall. You believe it? If you do not, if you have never been baptized, please hear this. You were created to know your creator, and Jesus is the only way to do that. The ways in this world, the hope in this world, the, even the love in this world absolutely cannot compare to what God has in store for his people. Please declare that Jesus is Lord. If you need to be baptized and declare that allegiance and have your sins washed away, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to help you do that. If you are a Christian, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Are you convicted by that? Are you making the most of your opportunities to share that good news with even just your lowly brothers and sisters in Christ? You don't know how much you need that. If you have any need, whether it's in person or on Facebook, I, I hope that you'll make it known. If not right now, then maybe sometime later this week. We cannot forget as a church how much we need Jesus to be Lord. The early church knew it, and we know it too. Other people out there, 
an E to know it, but we won't share it with them if we aren't willing to share it with each other's first. If you have any need this morning, won't you make it known right now as we stand and sing?